Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You see it every day. The first dollar you earn from your first customer. Now it hangs on your wall at headquarters. A reminder of where you started and the promise of what's still to come. In part because you rely on Sandy Spring Bank to help you make the right choices on real estate and equipment loans, treasury management, and commercial services. We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk about your business. Visit sandyspringbank.com business. Credit products offered by Sandy Spring Bank. Hi everyone and welcome to It's Time to Talk, episode two. This is the show where we open up the conversation and try and get ourselves and hopefully you guys talking about mental health in our day-to-day lives. I'm joined by Fancastians Richard. Hello everyone. And by Adam. Hi guys. And I am Matt Guy, your host. So today we are going to talk about social media and its impact on mental health. Again, I have to preface this by saying we are no experts at all when it comes to mental health from a uh, doctor point of view or from a from a medical background. But it's something that we're all really passionate about and something that we feel as the fan cast, we have a kind of a duty to try and help the conversation along. So hopefully you guys get a benefit from this and we'd love it if you interact with us when this comes out on social media hopefully in the right ways and hopefully get some benefit from this episode. So what I'd like to start off with guys, if I can, is just asking what your use of social media is just in your own personal life. What do you use it for? What apps do you use? And um, how does that look like in your day? I'll start with you. Ad. Yeah. So uh, for me, um, I mainly use two to be honest. So I use Twitter and uh, Instagram. So I used, I used to be, facebook user um but I, I i i haven't used that for a long time now to be honest i haven't used it for i don't know probably about two years maybe maybe something around that mark for, for reasons that we'll probably get onto you know as 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 the pod goes on um i was never one of these people that started out with a myspace i didn't even know what myspace was back when it was going um i was alerted to facebook by like an ex-girlfriend's friend and i just just went with it from there but um i see now so there's so many social media apps mm. you can get you can kind of get a bit you know, you know if, if you've got if you've got at least half of them i don't know how you'd fit anything else in your day other than looking at social media because there's just so many out there but no for me when i stopped using facebook i moved over to to twitter just because I, lo- I like to use that for news and mm. start, you know sport little sports journalists news journalists and what have you and instagram really i just used to follow people of interest so like 
rock, rock you know um, rockers or bands that are like and mm. stuff like that and um what what that's now morphed into is again we'll get on to it but the quote-unquote influencers you know yeah. you'll see people there who wield a bit of clout in that world so yeah that's the two that that i use and i and you know we'll my, my usage of them will we'll, we'll get into as as, as as the pod goes on but let's let's say that my usage is kind of up and down Mm-hmm. as the frequency of how we use them absolutely rich what do you uh what do you use social media what kind of apps are you using and how often in your daytime would you say you use them well i was gonna say i, I you might have seen me when adam was speaking looking down at my phone because every monday uh thanks to good people at apple i get a wonderful alert telling me how often <laughs> i spend looking at my screen so i i guess for many of you probably aware i i, I have been involved fairly actively in the fancast social media accounts for the past five years i think it is now so uh, uh, along with personally um personal wise i probably use twitter the most in terms of how active i am on that in terms of my i guess screen time um that sort of sort of stemmed i guess similar to adam but it was but the beautiful thing about twitter is that it, it it's derived from being a micro blocking site so everything's happening really quickly on it, mm-hmm. um, which are, which kind of appealed to me. So you could just give a short, snappy thought in the movement uh, in a short space of time, whereas Facebook, it didn't, unless everyone was on it at the same point of time, it didn't quite work, um, which is why I sort of used that a bit more. I've dropped off. I, I, I have Facebook. I don't regularly post on there without it coming from a different source like Instagram. Mm-hmm. So similar again to Adam, I think Twitter and Instagram are my main two. Facebook, I think it's probably what most of my family is still on, uh, particularly if I said the generation above me. Mm-hmm. Um, so in terms of, let's say, sharing things about um, my daughter or about you know major milestones in my, my life, it's the easiest way to connect yeah, with those people. Um, so yeah, I... It would probably go for me Twitter, then Instagram, similar to Adam. It started off being, it's a high-profile people. Now, it's I, I think I've actually cut back on a lot of those types of people and probably follow more friends and family because I'm more mm-hmm. interested in seeing what they're doing, as well as quite a lot of Wolf stuff as well. Um, I, I guess the, apart from there's sometimes a bit of a dabble on Pinterest, especially during lockdown, I found I was on Pinterest a lot because I was bored mm-hmm. and wanted projects to do. Yeah. So that that was kind of a nice, fun little source for a bit. I, d- I don't use it very much, though, and I, I'm not creative enough to do it. <laughs> but I think the one which I found myself using more and more, and this will probably tap into a bit more of the mental health side of things, is LinkedIn. Hmm. Now, I, hmm. I, I, I work in a B2B environment, and I have done for the last sort of five, six years now. And obviously, it's the professional social media account, and I was used to using it on my laptop and then had it as an app. I used to have it on solely my work phone. And then I got it on my personal phone. And that is almost, that's probably an app I use equally as much in just a general scroll yeah. as, you know, Instagram these days. Mm, I mean, that's, um, that's something we're going to get onto in a little bit when we look at the, impact of comparing our lives to others via social media because i think linkedin is very much one of those where it can it can appear as a rat race as much as much as anything but 
what I want to get on to, um, it need, tees us up nicely, really. We do have a couple of guests like we did on the last episode. So we have fancast favourite Harry Burgoyne on um, to talk about the um, the life of a professional footballer and his, his impact of social media on his mental health as well. We also have David Wilding from Twitter UK on with us as well, who is going to talk about some of the tools that he uses to help manage his mental health when it comes to not only his personal life, but his job is related to Twitter as well. So some of the things that he finds really useful to keep his mental health in check when it comes to social media, because as much as we've become reliant on social media over the last five to 10 years, I think lockdown and coronavirus has meant that it's accelerated that little bit more as well, because there's not a lot else to do in your day sometimes when, when it's pissing it down around or you don't want to go out than be on social media what i want to kind of get into to kick start us off is looking at i'll picture the scenario you get out of bed in the morning you look out the window it's dull as dishwater outside it's raining you know you're not going to go out because it's freezing cold social media can have a domination on my day sometimes because i'll lie in bed i'll flick through my phone i've i've read through everything that there is on the ashma park group everybody's slagging each other off on there then i'll flick to twitter and i'll read down there and i'll read about the wolves and i'll read about wrestling and then i'll get onto instagram and see everything else and before i know it, an hour's gone by and i already feel like at this point christ that's an hour wasted and then i feel guilty about it do you guys ever find that you can get in a rut time wise or that it has an impact actually on your domination of your day and, and what you should be doing in your day absolutely absolutely so like very often, same as what you just said, I'll wake up and the, the very first thing I'll do, <clears throat> obviously I'll shut my alarm off on my phone. Then rather than just put the phone back on the windowsill and start the day, I'll just I'll keep the phone in my hand and then I'll just start scrolling, whether that be it could be it could be a news app, but mainly like you say, just be right, just go straight onto Twitter and let and then start the scrolling begins or I don't know, you, you, when you take, you take the phone to the toilet and when you're having to sit down, you'll <laughs> flick through your phone on there. It's like one day equivalent of taking the paper, isn't it? But that's where it starts. When we started straight away on your day, you woke up and already you are committing all, all your time straight away um, to Twitter, your social media, seeing what's gone on, like, I don't know, throughout the, throughout the course of the night or what have you. And, what I find is during the day when I'm working, if, I, it's, if my phone's on my desk right next to me, even if I'm waiting 10 seconds for like an app or something to load up or a web page to load at work, instinctively, I'll just, even though it's 10 seconds to load up, I'll just reach mm. my phone straight mm. away and I'll pick it up and I'll just start scrolling through Twitter and or Instagram again. And to, yeah, as Richard, to a lesser extent, LinkedIn, but um it's really, and it's ridiculous. And as you've just said, Matt, I'll be, I'll scroll through and then like 10, 15 minutes has gone by and what I'm waiting for has already loaded up. It's, it's now timed out and I've got to log back <laughs> into it again because I've been sat looking at my phone for 10 minutes. Yeah. But you, you imagine that repeats itself like multiple times throughout the course of the day. And then you realise, oh shit, like I've just spent X amount of time just scrolling and like just being addicted to the screen and just I've got to I've got to see what the latest is going on all the time I've got to be always be informed always get information keep being informed keep being informed and you realize what the job I was supposed to do you know I'm thinking oh, I haven't done it or I'm well behind on it now because you keep you just you just, you're drilled into it you've got to keep getting information and 
yeah. it, it can stem it can stem into the evening as well. Like say, like say for me, once like the kids have gone to bed, um, I just sit there and while we're clearing away something, I just sit and look at my phone. And uh, the wife might say, "Well, should we put something on the telly? We should watch something." And I'll be like, "Yeah, in a sec." And I'm just looking at my phone, and then in a sec becomes half an hour, forty-five mm. minutes until you, you've you physically got to like just put put it off, put it on mute, put the phone away, put it down, put it on mute or something, or just don't look at it because otherwise, like you say, you can just literally dominate in all your all hours of the day. Yeah, I mean, I, I suppose just preface this really by saying this isn't a. Uh, a plea to people to stop using social media at all. I fucking love, I love Twitter and I love like, I love using those platforms. I really do. Cause that's where they'll get the majority of my news from rightly or wrongly. I don't watch the news. The world exists according to what happens on Twitter, as far as I'm concerned, because that's where I, that's my outlook. I just think mm. that this, this, this podcast really is about how we identify when it's getting a little much, a little too much for us because there certainly are pros and cons. And that's probably what we'll finish on at the end of the episode. Rich, I want to ask you, obviously you do a lot with the FanCast social media accounts and then you've got to then fuse that into your day-to-day life. Do you ever find that time is escaping you because of your social media usage and, and, and that can then bleed in on your other commitments in your life, like family, friends, work, anything like that? Yeah, I mean, it's it can be even more difficult because I've had roles in business before where I, whilst doing fancast stuff, which is a hobby, and I try relatively hard to not do lots during work hours. Like, might be an occasion on here and there. If Wolves make a signing at 11 o'clock on a Tuesday, you know, if it's just a quick tweet, in and out, I, I you know, I can... I can live with that and i won't bother reading about other people's opinions and sometimes i need to marry up is this you know in work time is this something i want to put out through my account Mm -hmm. or through the fan cast because for me to almost have two separate but similar thoughts that's when i lose time when i combine having to manage professional accounts as well you find yourself online on social media all day whether it's on um laptop or on your phone but you get the notifications come through you know i'm still getting notified uh, my uh my wife blesser told me off um yeah yesterday it was a wolves game wasn't it we played yesterday because after the game my just phone wouldn't stop buzzing mm-hmm. and it was a late kickoff and she's like you need to t- turn off those twitter notifications now because it is driving me insane and you know turned them off had a look the next day and you know just scrolling it it's just people liking it and you know met you know few threads we got caught up in so it can be really difficult sometimes to not get caught in it um i found and part of it's just that level of restraint and particularly in an evening so i, I i've my, my uh, kids a lot uh, younger than adams so first thing i'm very much on her clock but in an evening that's when i have two hours where i've not got work if i've not mm. got a podcast you know i've got this time to myself now and then the amount of times i'll go well you know what i'll you know i'll just stick on some netflix or something and relax and realize it's just wallpaper and i've just been scrolling on my phone <laughs> and you go what have i done with that time i've got a list of jobs that i sh- could and should be doing mm-hmm. or you know even worse you know play a video game that's when i found it that's when it's been really bad for me is when i'll have played a video game 
get heart part way through it, see my phone buzz, say, oh, that's, that's, or reply to that, or I can do something with that. And then all of a sudden it's been 20 minutes and the game's been on pause for 20 minutes. I'm like, mm-hmm. well, it's not to say it's not a valuable use of your time because it's really, you know, it can be really fun. It's, it's a release, but at the same time, you do sort of question where, where that time goes a lot of the, um, a lot of the time, yeah. but being yeah, able tough. to sort of compartmentalize it, it's tough. I think I was, um, I was listening to um, the mental health podcast um, earlier in the week and I think they had mentioned uh, the comedian James Acaster. Mm-hmm. And he said he, he himself has took himself off Twitter because of the, the effect it was having on him. And he said he, he, the reason why he just thought to himself, and he said he doesn't want to get onto his deathbed and think, I wish I hadn't spent so much time on Twitter. <laughs> you know? yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's true because, I mean, as Rich said, you get those notifications, see how long you've been on your phone. And, I think it, it taps into your the addictiveness, potential addictiveness of it with, with some people and, and the ease of which you can get it. So, yeah, you've had a very rough day or a busy day. And sometimes you think, I'm just going to do the easiest thing I can do now. And that's just getting the phone up and just going through, mm. going through social media. Rich, I want to ask you, do you think that, I mean, everybody has their own responsibility on social media for themselves, so the accounts that they follow and, and things like that. But do you think there's certain elements of social media that that just generally have a disadvantage for people? Let's so let's say that you you know you're an alcoholic or, or something like that, or you're a gambling addict, and then you're seeing celebrities um, that are having great nights and they're having parties and they're having this and they're having they're sleeping with the most gorgeous people in the world and they're doing this and they're doing that, and then you're battling your own demons with, with, with let's, let's just see the alcohol as the example. Do you think social media is the right thing for people to be using in those scenarios? And, and, and if, and if it isn't, you know, how do we, how do we, how do we counterbalance that and not feel like we're hermits from the world? Because I think at the minute, especially with lockdown, if you're not on social media, you feel even more isolated than we already are. I think the one for me, and I, I, I'm not a gambler, but it's when you see people posting betting slips mm. after they've won, because that that is such dangerous ground. And you know, it, it, it's the accounts like um, Footy Accumulators, ones like that, where they're you know, part of it is you know they're showing positivity. People are gambling and winning money, but you're telling me no one's ever had a thought where they've gone that could have been me that week. You know, I thought I thought Chelsea were going to win and yeah, get yeah. score two goals. Maybe if I do it next week, because all they've all they've done is better tenner. Oh, well, hang on, I'd, I'd better tenner to win two hundred and fifty quid, wouldn't you? Mm. And that that and you know, there's probably been a couple of times where, let's say, I'm not a big gambler. I reckon the most expensive bet I've ever put on is five or ten pounds, and I don't do it regularly. Um, at Pirella. all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know I'm, I'm expecting to make millions off, you know, pe- pennies. But that's when you sort of flush money down the drain. So, I, you know, I don't use it. I realised I wasn't even using them enough anyway. But that five quid every six to eight weeks or so, it kind of quietly adds up. So I've ended up just deleting Labbrooks off my phone. And yeah, yeah. but should should people be responsible for it? I think Not there's an element. Sure. I think there's an element of 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 self control, and I think there's an element of 
responsibility from social medias for that example so i follow a couple of like tipsters on yeah so do i and it's mental because i don't bet it's so (laughs) stupid yeah but that's that's something that's within your control your followers list is within your control yeah and i guess what i'm trying to get at with this is um if you are finding if you get those feelings of guilt towards a product or a service or something like that you have the capacity to remove yourself from that situation if but i guess the hardest part is actually identifying that guilt about it so i've been in a position where i've been following a tipster and we've done like a 10 to 10k bet mm. like chain mm. and i found myself i've been betting free three thr figures on a bet and then i've stepped back and i've set the i've pressed that same and i, I thought what i'm in this sweet mother of mercy am i doing betting a, like mm. over a hundred pound on a single bet when that hundred pound i know because i'm frugal because it's an attractive quality of men i'll have you know i'll, I'll do i'll do a lot more with that money than, than gambling do you know what i mean um i've done exactly the same thing you know i mean i i'm nowhere near as bad as 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 what i used to be on but i've i recognized that i was being a bit silly at one point mm. i think about five years ago i followed exactly all these sort of online tipsters accounts on on Twitter, I'd turn the notifications on. Yeah, so as yeah, soon yeah. as they'd, they'd have the next bet ready, it'd ping up and I'd be right, bang right on it. I just, I just dawned on me, you know, one day that I was sitting at my desk at work, um, putting the bet on in play and I think on something like the Slovakian second league <laughs> or third league or something for a first half goal in the game. Yeah, yeah. And it even, it even had the live bet three, six, five fit feed, this game did and they were but they're basically playing in a field somewhere in Slovakia and it didn't come in and obviously I'm really pissed off and I think it's one of these challenges and you start off with like 25 quid or something to start the, the challenge off and I just thought what am I what am I what am I doing here what mm. you know and I'm not I'm not going to say that like you know it's all squeaky clean from there on in because I'd, I'd unfollow a load of these tips on Twitter and then in about three or four months later, I'd find myself following a yeah, couple yeah. more again. Yeah. And then I'll be back on it. And like you, Matt, you know, I've tried these, you know, 25 to 10,000 challenges. You get 250 quid in or 300 quid in and you're betting 300 quid on like, you know, two first half goals or something like that. And you just, your emotions go sky high. I don't think you probably might have been the same as me. You know, you, you put that money on, you put all that money on. And suddenly, just nothing, nothing else in the world is happening. Oh, it's yeah, just yeah. you, it's just you and that, that, that game, isn't it? And mm-hmm. you're shaking. You've everything's going off because you're thinking this has got to come in because I've I've saw what it can return the money, and you just fixated on it, aren't you? Mm, absolutely, it is. It's very, very dangerous. It is, and I think I mean we'll get onto this in in kind of the second half. Really, the feeling of being part of a community on social media can be as much of a dangerous thing as it can be a positive, i.e. kind of likes and retweet culture, but then actually what impact that has on us. I'm going to, we're going to have a little break um, after we have had the interview with Harry Burgoyne. So Harry has been really kind and come on the show to talk us through his experience as a professional sportsman, but in his personal life, his use of social media, and then the impact of um, like trolling and negativity on social media as well in his professional life and in his personal life and what impact that has had on his mental health and then we'll take a break and we'll come back hi so i'm with 
former Wolves shot stopper, now Shrewsbury Town and fancast favourite Harry Burgoyne. Harry, good evening. Thanks for joining us. Evening. Happy New Year. Hope everyone's doing well. Happy New Year to you, bud. Um, under lockdown 3.0. So it seems like a good <laughs> a good a time as any to talk about mental health and really appreciate you, you coming on to have the conversation with us. Um, the first thing I kind of want to ask, really, um, because mental health means different things to different people. In general, what does mental health mean for you when you hear the words mental health? What are the first things that come to mind? Um, like probably somebody struggling where nobody else knows that they're struggling mm -hmm. mentally. Um, and I think usually, I think it takes, it takes quite a while for, for that person who's suffering from mental health to come out even to the closest loved ones. So yeah. Yeah. I think basically it's all about trying to raise awareness of it and making, making people sort of speak out on it before it becomes a bigger problem, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think the, and that's what this, this, this podcast is about really, is we want to try and open up people to having those kind of conversations a little easier because we're all guilty of, of holding back and an element of, I suppose, feeling prideful and not wanting to talk about mental health, I guess. Definitely, yeah, I've, 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 I'm definitely kind of in that category of like kind of watching the TV and seeing people talk about it. And then I, I, I personally think that you're like, oh, that, that you kind of think to yourself, oh, that, that's not me. I've never, I don't struggle like that. But then I think deep down, I think, I think it's safe to say that everyone's kind of struggled with their mental health at some stage in their life. Mm -hmm. um, which is why it's such a massive thing and, and why it needs to kind of get put out there a bit more than it does. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, listen, you're going to be around in dressing rooms, adrenaline, adrenaline charged dressing rooms and around like a lot of different characters in your playing career so far. Has there been a, a change in culture at all in terms of people are now starting to open up about their mental health or within the sport? Is it still not a stigma, but is it still something that really doesn't get talked about for fear of kind of being the odd one out or anything like that? I, I definitely uh, think that it's getting a lot better in football. Um, yeah, I think a lot, a lot more people are talking about it, but it's still way off where it needs to be. So mm -hmm. I think there's still, I think there's still a, a vast majority of, of players, staff, referees, whatever you want to, say is uh i think there's still a lot of of people that don't want to speak about it or don't they haven't even realized that they're suffering i think yeah. that's that's a big one where they don't really understand it and they don't know that they're they're actually struggling so yeah i, I think i think there's still a long way to go in terms of um sort of getting everybody speaking about it but there, there definitely has been progress over the last few years i think yeah i mean i can imagine I mean, education within the game for a number of things you hear about all the time um, about, you know, um, about social media, which, which we'll get onto a little bit more and about how people should conduct themselves in social media. But when it comes to mental health, I guess, I guess in your line of work, it's all about the physical being in fit, physical peak. And I guess mental health sometimes maybe doesn't get talked about as much. Definitely. Yeah, because I think I think obviously the be all and end all in football is you, you don't want to show teammates or opposition any sign of weakness. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I think, 
I think that's the kind of the only thing probably along with like kind of self-embarrassment why it doesn't get spoken about more but I think I personally think there's a high percentage now in football where if somebody was to go and speak about their mental health there's going to be a, a very small minority that go like kind of take the mickey or whatever yeah. I think we're, we're now at a place in the professional game where people understand it however I think from the outside world, I think there's a long way to go. So I think mm-hmm. if a player comes out in our dressing room and they've got had a, I know they've 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 had a problem or whatever. I think it's quite easy for them to talk about it amongst ourselves, kind of thing. But then, mm-hmm. kind of, I think when it goes out, say if it went out on Twitter, I think obviously the outside world just they they can't see the bigger picture and they won't they won't have any sympathy or anything. They'll just kind of throw abuse or even like newspapers they'll they'll find like ways to kind of make money through a headline yeah, yeah. make it ne- negative and I, yeah. I think obviously at the higher level as well in the Premier League where kind of especially the young English boys they're put on a pedestal straight away before mm-hmm. they're old enough to understand about any of these things so I feel I feel that like maybe a bit more education needs to be done um not not just kind of in football but in like schools and stuff yeah, so that yeah. when when we do grow up like people don't go onto twitter and kind of abuse someone just because they're struggling mentally i think it's especially like in these lockdowns now i think it's going to be tough for a lot of people but they they just need to kind of hang in there and speak to their loved ones yeah absolutely and um, i mean kind of like trolling and and abuse especially by kind of nameless faceless people is it's, it's it's so easy to do <laughs> really I could, I could create a twitter account right now and give you dogs abuse if i wanted to and yeah, there'd be exactly. no repercussions of it but we'll get we'll get onto that in a bit yeah. i mean in your playing career now obviously you, you're already doing us a massive favor by coming on 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 the show in the first place so give us as much or as little as detail as you want has yeah. there been a time in your playing career where you felt that your mental health has suffered either through injury or through a run of results where you've identified that actually something isn't right there and, and you might have had to take action yeah so the first and this is this is a true story the first time I ever kind of thought hang on something's not quite right here like with my not my attitude but like I've always been that positive person mm-hmm. and I felt the first time was we was away I, I signed on loan for Plymouth for the season and uh, we went away on a pre-season tour in Holland and uh, I was kind of, I, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have even said I was struggling, but I just kind of, we, it was night time and we had like a massive like uh, field out the back of our hotel room door. And I just went out the back there and phoned uh, my fiance now. And I was just kind of like saying, how I, I wasn't enjoying it. And mm-hmm. like, for, for me to say that I wasn't enjoying my football was like, kind of, that's the first time I've ever like, yeah, had yeah, to yeah. say that kind of thing. But uh, yeah, I kind of said, yeah, I'm not enjoying this at all. Like, I don't, I don't really, I don't really like it, if that makes sense. And then uh, kind of the next morning, this is no word of a lie, I broke my ankle. Okay. So like. A double, a double whammy. Yeah, but then I kind of I kind of look at it 
is just to say that's happened for a reason that has. Mm. And uh, obviously my missus still remembers like the phone call we had the night before. Um, and then you kind of just think, yeah, like things happen, like, happen in life for a reason. And I'm a big believer of that. And uh, it's just where the time, time, like it was, it was tough, you know, like mentally tough to sort of go from kind of trying to get on with it and just kind of keep going and keep plugging away to breaking your ankle and then kind of having so funny story like now now I look at it I kind of got a taxi to the airport I had no member of staff with me in terms of a physio because to be fair they were light on physios uh, mm-hmm. out out there and they had to stay at the hotel with the rest of the lads and I literally got dropped off by the taxi driver outside Amsterdam <laughs> airport and he kind of just says all right see you later and I said you're not going to help me like I was on crutches <laughs> I had like a big suitcase to carry yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I just just kind of looked at the, the front of the airport and just felt like crying and uh I, I somehow I somehow got over like the busy roads across the roads and stuff I kind of used my suitcases like a, a leverage and like kind of <laughs> hobbled in and then I got a bit of assistance in the in the airport and stuff but um yeah like as soon as soon as I got back to England really I've kind of took a big deep breath and just I felt really good because I knew that I was going to have all my family around me uh, obviously knew I had my fiance around me and then yeah I, I kind of just got on with my rehab and that then so I think that was a little bit of a turning point although it wasn't anything like kind of massive where I I like struggled for months or years or whatever mm. but I, like, I struggled for a few days a few weeks but then obviously having your loved ones around you, like yeah. you just kind of get out the other end of it. But I think like up until that f- point where I made the phone call to my missus, I didn't know mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. I was like, that I was struggling. But as soon as I phoned my missus and started talking, you then like start to think, oh, hang on a minute. Yeah, I am struggling here a little bit. Oh, and like, yeah. I don't think you realise until the words come out of your mouth speaking to somebody else. 100%. I completely get where you're coming from there. Right, I think you're, it's not like you're kidding yourself, but you just, you kind of don't believe yourself because you're kind of trained to be that positive energy, mm-hmm. that positive person. You don't believe it until it's actually come out of your mouth and you hear it yourself. So yeah, that, that's that's the best advice I can give anyone is just to, genuinely like make that phone call like sit down and have that chat just it is the best thing you can do because it's it's yeah you, you kind of admit to yourself that yeah i'm struggling a bit i need a bit of help here yeah i mean there's, there's two things that like come to mind when when you when you retell your story there first of all is for one person you hear like loads of stories about people that are like suicide and everything. it's awful absolutely awful but yeah there's there's elements of what you feel like sometimes, even if you can identify what you're going through, you trivialize it yourself. You think, well, I can't be that bad because I'm not at X, Y, Z stage. So I must be all right. I'll just, I won't, I won't do exactly, anything about yeah. it, which is, which is not healthy because what's, what's not bad for, for, for you, it still doesn't mean it's healthy for you to be. And I've put that terribly, but just because you're not at a certain stage doesn't mean you're not feeling bad or, or need support. Yeah. And, and the second thing really is, it's really interesting that like you, you built yourself up to a point where like you, you had to make that phone call. How long would you say it, you'd been building up? You said it was like weeks and weeks feeling like that, you know, did it, did it like bubble up or or how did you just get to that final point where you just knew you had to, had to come out with it? Yeah. It's, it's, it's strange. Like it was, 
it was a really tough pre-season down at Plymouth, to be fair. Mm-hmm. Um, like, the the running and everything that a goalkeeper doesn't usually do mm-hmm. was quite brutal down there. Um, and I was struggling with my hip anyway. Okay. So I kind of knocked my hip in the off-season. I don't, I don't think I did anything, but I, it was, like, really hurting. And, like... I basically just run through it and like every day was like agony. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but I just kept going and kept going and kept going. And I kind of, I don't know. Yeah. I, I like to think that it was kind of building up from that stage really. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then you kind of, you kind of, I don't know, like maybe have a couple of bad training sessions or whatever. And you just think, Oh, you know what? I, I need to kind of have a chat with somebody here. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yeah, that was it. And go, going back to your, to your first point there like what was you saying on your first point so it's like just because you're not at the stage where you might be feeling suicidal or feeling really down i think a lot of people i've definitely done it where where i've trivialized my own feelings i thought well if i'm not feeling as bad as xyz i should just man up terrible thing to think i should just man up and get on with it whereas that's not that's not healthy that's not no exactly do you know what i mean yeah so like yeah you can look at it mine and like think okay big well like you've only broke your ankle and I, I was only out for six months but then for me for me to kind of like have been through that it kind of helps me I know it sounds like kind of selfish but it, it helps me because like when when somebody else like I look at someone else that's kind of had the cruciate injury which is like yep. a nine-month injury mm-hmm. and then they come they come back from that injury and then they they kind of break their leg or something and you just think like you literally think to yourself, you're like, oh, how are you going to deal with that? But like, although I've only been through half of what he's been through, I can still help him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, and I think that's the big thing, to be fair. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I really appreciate you kind of letting us in that because, you know, we don't often hear about these kind of interactions with, with, with people in the professional game. And Maybe actually, if more people are as open as you, that that, that gap in between um, Joe Public, uh, the, the the Twitter troll, and the, yeah. the people in the professional game wouldn't be as large because people, more people, are talking about it. Perhaps what yeah. what I want to get onto is kind of the the main point of this episode, particularly about social media. Mm-hmm. Um, in your personal life now, are, are you a big social media user? Do you you know? Do you find in your free time, especially now in lockdown, where there's not a lot we can do outside of the house? that you use a lot of social media and do the positives outweigh the negatives for you in terms of mental health? So I, I used to be, a, I used to use Twitter an awful lot more than what I do now. Mm-hmm. Um, Instagram, I've kind of always been pretty like kind of standard with it, kind yeah. of upload every few weeks or whatever. I'm not like an everyday kind of guy. Um, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I'm the biggest person on it, but I, f- I feel like at the right time, you can use it to your benefit. Mm-hmm. But I think we need to get to the stage where, and I must admit, I think personally, a guy doing great stuff for the game at the minute is Ben Foster. I don't know if you've seen his YouTube channel. Yeah, begrudgingly, I know he does a lot of really good stuff in that field. Uh, and not yeah. so much good stuff in other parts of his uh, Twitter Twitter life. But no, what kind of stuff yeah, does he but, do that um, you like? So I just feel like he, he kind of shows everybody like the day-to-day life of, of being a footballer, really. 
mm-hmm. um, and I kind of feel that what he's what he's been really good at is he's like there's more to life than than football. So yeah. like he he kind of I think he made a big mistake for a goal against Huddersfield. I think it was a few weeks ago. And the next day he went on a bike ride on the Sunday morning and he just kind of like said, look, like, so what, I made a mistake, like, mm-hmm. get on with it. There's like life, there's a bigger picture in life. Like mm-hmm. uh, football's only a game at the end of the day. Um, I know for like a lot of us, it is it is our life football, but at the end of the day, your life is bigger than mm-hmm. football mm-hmm. itself. So, so yeah, I feel like he's do he is doing a good thing at the minute. I'm not sure. I haven't seen his Twitter account really, so I couldn't I couldn't like. Uh, I think I mean that. more more when he's just goading goading us any time we have a bad result <laughs> more yeah. than anything. But horses yeah. for courses, really. Yeah. Has there ever been a time in your life when kind of outside of the game and your um, any interactions that you have with kind of fans of either the team you play for or rival teams where you've thought to yourself where social media might be becoming a negative for you or having a negative impact on your kind of mental health at all? Um, I, I must admit, I would, ne- I would never say that I, I let, let um, negative things affect me. Mm-hmm. And um, I've had, to be fair, good um, advice off our manager at the minute, Steve Cockshaw. He just said, like, um, you were never as bad as you thought you were mm-hmm. and you were never as good as you thought you were. <laughs> so... Like and I think I think that's a great saying to be fair because there's so many times where you think you've had such a terrible game and you kind of watch yourself back and you're like oh that wasn't actually that bad and then mm. when you've had a you think you've had a worldie and you watch it back and you're like oh it wasn't wasn't that good do you know what I mean <laughs> but then uh, I suppose like we as players we kind of use our common sense as to when to look at Twitter and when not to mm-hmm. yeah but I, I can't. I'll speak for myself, but I think I speak for a lot of people where you just can't help yourself but go and have a look. Oh, of course, yeah, absolutely. Because at the end, at the end of the day, it's it's my account. I've made my account. Like, why should I not be able to look at my own account? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, like, you look, you look at some of the things people say, and some things you laugh at, some things you kind of you want to nibble at, and you want to write something back, and then mm-hmm. other things you kind of make you think a bit more deeper, and it's like those things genuinely need to stop yeah and like i think we're we're way off kind of getting them to stop but um yeah i mean some some of the things that you see like i think it was charlie daniels put up the other day um like someone was battering stanislas and stanislas had scored the winning goal against someone i can't think who, who i think it might be in swansea and um literally the racial abuse he was getting yeah. off um, other fans. And I was like, like how how can you as a human say something like that to another human being? It's just it's just crazy. And like the, the username was obviously he was obviously like on a fake account or whatever and you yeah, know he's never yeah, gonna yeah, get yeah, yeah. never gonna get caught out for it. And it's just like how much of a coward actually are you? You you saying it it's just it beggars belief what why it even comes into your head to say it like the guy's just scored the winning goal great result for him like even if you're a fan of the opposition like you've just got a you've just got to hold your hands up and say yeah they've won like end of the day it's a yeah, game yeah. of football but like you just kind of and you, you kind of have a personal dig and you bring someone's family into it and it's like well hang on a minute all he's doing is going out there 
giving his best for his football club and doing his best for himself to provide for his family. Absolutely. Like, you, I, don't, you don't know what, like, whether he's going to go back home, whether he's struggling himself at that time. Mm-hmm. I just don't feel why people think they have the right to say something. And, and this is my major, my major thing with a, a platform like Twitter. Now, Twitter's my favourite of the social medias purely because it's where I get the vast majority of my news, if I'm perfectly honest. I don't, I don't yeah. watch the news that often or the news doesn't cater to my very niche hobbies of, of yeah. football, pro wrestling and films. So it's like, you know, that's what I use. But it's so easy to be a troll if you wanted to be. And mm. I don't think people understand the impact of giving somebody abuse on a platform like that without understanding what that can do to to a person um you know it, it's a bit, and i'm guessing in, in your scenario or in the professional game that's heightened tenfold because of, of the position that you're in and everything that you do is scrutinized to a certain level and i think i don't think we as the as as a society or anything like that quite kind of has a grasp on the consequences of what we do on social media if, if that makes sense um no, yeah. and in terms of what you can do i mean what's the, what what's the biggest thing that you can do if you are getting down on mental health i mean he's switch he's just switching off the platform enough for you or do you find that it can kind of leak into your, your normal life because people are giving, you know, or trolling on the internet? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean I've mean, i had, my debut for Shrewsbury was a shocker, like played against Middlesbrough. Um, I was at fault for a couple of goals. I, I hold my hands up and admit that. Um, mm. And like, it's, it's a long old bus journey back from Middlesbrough. Yeah, so I can imagine, yeah. You've got like four and a half hours on a coach where you, you tell yourself not to look at Twitter, but you just do. And yeah. Uh, Obviously, I was getting absolute pelters on there, but no one, no one knows what what I might have gone through earlier on in that week. Mm-hmm. Like I, I hadn't gone through anything earlier on in that week. I was perfectly, perfectly prepared for the game, but I just it happened that I had a bad one. Mm-hmm. Um, and like people kind of knock, knock like knock you as a goalkeeper, and you're kind of thinking to yourself like, how can you knock me as a keeper when? You've just seen me in one game there, and it happened to be a bad one. Yeah. yeah. Already, like, I'm shit. Your cards, I mean? your cards marked to some people at that point. Yeah. So, um, but then I, I don't, I try not to let it sort of creep into, creep into like home life. But then you kind of get in, misses are just be like, what, like, come on, what's up, like, and then mm. you just kind of say, oh yeah, read this on Twitter, and you, and you just get people to tell you like to ignore people they don't know you they don't know like what a good person you are like there's more to to life on the pitch and stuff and people like people don't see like the charity work that you do and all the good things you do and they're all that gets seen is a negative thing and like you kind of blow out of proportion and and it's like like for me it might be one person that says something bad on twitter but i can imagine like if you're marcus rashford and like all the good that he's doing at the minute. Yeah. I, I watched his documentary the other night and uh, he's kind of um, put on the, put on the uh, petition to sign and like you got people absolutely slating him and you're like, mm-hmm. hang on a minute. Like the guy's 
the guy's like the, probably one of the busiest guys yeah you can think of yeah he's still finding time to to go and like feed all the children and he he, he won't stop until he's fed all like the children in the country really mm-hmm. and you get people saying them and you're just like well, like what are you doing it's it's so frustrating but it just i suppose I suppose the only way we can go about it is, is like getting it early and just educating people in school. And I think that's the only thing that we can do, really. Yeah, I think you're right. And I, th- I think, you know, we're going to be having um, an interview with one of the um, the director of planning from Twitter on this episode as well. So to just talk nice. about kind of some of the tools that you can actually use if, if your mental health is being um, negatively affected by social media platforms as well. So I think that'll be really useful, but it's interesting to hear it from the, from the other side, because, you know, I, I very purposely don't follow a lot of people and by no, by no ambition of my own, I don't have a lot of followers either. So I don't have that much interaction to be honest with people. Um, So I don't, but you know, I've had people like on on episodes of the fan cast that I've been on, who've criticized what I've said online and like, you know, it's not even, you know, I take that really to heart and, and yeah. I find it because it's something that I've got a passion for. Um, you, you don't want your something that you put your physical body and your mental work into to be criticised. And I think when, when, when people who wouldn't say it to your face if they're in front of you and no, giving exactly. you dogs abuse, it, it does have an effect on you. And I, I think we have a... We have a we have to answer or we have to ask ourselves questions sometimes. Is, is it worth it? Is it worth this playing with your mind for the sake of social media? But I guess that's um that's something that each individual will will, will have themselves. I guess I think the only other thing about social um, media and mental health for me is purely a uh, like an overexposure to uh, social media. Is in like always being on Twitter, always being on Facebook, always being on. I was about to say MySpace, and I think like, I do you even remember MySpace? I think you're probably too young for MySpace, aren't you? I, um, yeah, I, I, I remember it, but I never had any. <laughs> so. Oh, so you never had to go through the pain of picking your top eight, and then like your friends being annoyed with you because you like they were yeah. their number one idea. Um, and I, th- I, I think, <laughs> I think, like you said, I think with more like education about um, understanding the effects of like these platforms, I think it can be a bit more harmonious for people. And a lot of a lot of like apps and that now will, will like, give you the amount of time you're spending on it, and you're spending too much yeah. time on it and stuff like that. But um, listen, I really really appreciate you coming on. It, you know, nobody. Um, it's not that often that people will come out and actually just talk frankly and openly about a themselves and b their mental health within the game. So it's really really um, really really appreciated you coming on. Is this your hat trick appearance on the fancast? Have I made that up? Okay, yeah, it is, yeah. Well, yeah. we'd have to get your fan cast ball sent over. We'd have to get one, get it in for <laughs> so no, Really appreciate it, mate. Um, this will go out um, soon, and um, hopefully people will have um, you know, a positive impact on it. So thank you very much for your time. No problem, mate. No problem, anytime. Hi, Richard here. Before you go back to hearing us dissect the latest Wolves news, some really shoehorn Simpsons references, a bit of 90s film action, of course, a bit of wrestling. Um, I just want to do a quick shout out for our sponsors, Pixel Yeti Media. Now, they've done a fantastic job on the Wolves Fancast website, WolvesFancast.com, please go check it out. But they're not just web designers, they're a creative agency that cover all your design needs from websites, brochures and signage to marketing, logo design and branding. There's basically nothing they can't do marketing-wise, so make sure you check them out at pixelyetimedia.com.
www.thepodcastmaker.com and I'll let you get back to enjoying the show. Harry Burgoyne, really in-depth look there into his personal and professional lives. So we really appreciate having him on for his hat-trick appearance on the uh, on the fancast as well. So we'll have to get him a match ball, as we've mentioned. What I want to get into then, guys, something that I know is going to be very, very um, much in the news at the moment within the Wolves community, depending on which accounts you follow, um, and something that I think we all experience when we use a platform like Twitter would be conflict and, and trolling, basically. I'm not going to get into names and specifics of anyone's accounts and give anybody the satisfaction that may be a troll or anything like that. However, when I'm on Twitter, that's probably the only site where I'm interacting with strangers. Facebook, if I'm in a group about a certain hobby that I'm into, it's a little different. There's a there's an anxiety and there's a fear there about what you put on a platform like that because of a nameless, faceless person that will come back to you and rip apart what you're saying. And I don't understand that. I don't understand why I feel anxious about voicing things on Twitter and the fear of what someone who I don't know is going to come back with. Does anybody else have that? Does anybody else have that worry that just even voicing something as simple as really looking forward to the game today, hashtag WWFC, you're going to get abuse from somebody. Am I the only one who thinks that? Yeah, I, I have sort of held back to a degree in terms of posting stuff that I feel could gain a reaction because mm-hmm. what it, it's just going to waste my time going forward. Mm. The nature of Twitter itself is that anything you put on there, it's just, it's just open to everyone, isn't mm-hmm. it? As you say, you're just exposing... Essentially, you're exposing yourself to not literally, of course, but exposing yourself to like <laughs> you could every, if you wanted to, yeah. When it comes to my, my personal comments, I'm, I guess I've not I've not had too many negative comments really, to be honest. From anything I've tweeted online, um, I just yeah, I just, I, which is good because to be honest, I don't handle them very well, which is probably why I tend to play play it safe on Twitter. You know, mm. I, I don't really post anything which I think will cause me a lot of stress because I do get easily stressed as well as, you know, we mentioned on the previous uh, Time to Talk podcast. So I do tend to try and steer clear of anything where I know that I'll you know, gauge too much, too much of a reaction. You know, you could take that on a couple of two ways. You could be like, you know, I'm either sitting on the fence or I'm not saying my true opinion. But for me, it's more about how much mental energy am I going to have to expend on just a, a tweet? Yeah, I think that's it. I think that's it. So, un un Twitter related, I'll be playing FIFA, for example, and I'll someone will send me abuse after a game. Okay, fine. Like what? Ha- what I then find though is I, I identify that it's not healthy when like I've replied to it, and I thought, oh, why? Why not? I'll reply to it, and then and then. I'm then anxious then about getting a response. I'm like, I'm look. I keep looking back on my phone. I've had a response from this person. I've had a response to this person. I'm not going as extreme to say it's like fight, like flight or fight or anything, but it gets to the point where that that conflict then becomes a bit um, a bit overwhelming, I'd say. And then I've had the same on Twitter as well. If I've had a, a disagreement with somebody over um, over an opinion, there's a guy who's recently followed me that um, you know I have a really like small amount of followers and, and I follow in comparison to other people 
because um, for, well, for this reason, really, I, I got into it. Not I wouldn't say I had to do, but we were we were like going backwards and forwards and disagreeing with each other. And I just found that like I couldn't stop myself, keep checking what the to see if I've had another message about it. And it felt really weird because it was almost as if I was like, well, if I don't reply straight away, I'm going to lose this argument. And if if I yeah. don't if I don't come back on it straight away, I'm going to look like the dickhead on the internet. When in reality, like. Does it matter? Does anybody care? Like, I I shouldn't care. This other person probably doesn't care. But are we trying to save face for the internet as if it's like a sentient mm-hmm. being or something? It's Yeah, I was going to say, the, the issue is it's like there is no end goal. There's there's no mm. end result. Is it? I've had, I say I've had this before. It's like if someone cuts you up um, at a junction mm. and you swear at them and... I've done it before, and it happened to a, um, a friend of mine who similar thing happened. He gave him dogs abuse. They pulled up at a traffic light, and he got out of his car. Mm. And the bloke and sort of started walking towards him, and he was like sort of slamming on his car and stuff like that. And he went, "What do you hope to gain from this? What what's going to happen here? Mm. Do do we, you know, do we do we do pistols at dawn? <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's like it's the same with a Twitter argument or Facebook argument or whatever." So you're never going to win that person. So, you know, take Fabio Silva as a great example at the moment, let's say, or, you know, half half of a Wolves team. Uh, My my opinion to Silva might be different to Adams. If me and him have a back and forth on it, as, you know, strong as an arguer I think I could be, I don't think Adams is going to turn around and go, yeah, you know what, Rich? I think you're right. It's mm. good to have this chat because because you, you're either going to be fiercely defensive about it or the argument's not really worth anyone's time. You know, it's the same with politics as well online, and you know that that's probably a whole other kettle of fish in terms of how it's how it's handled. And this leads me on to kind of the culture that we have about likes and and retweets, really, and the effect that has on us. So I find that that. I post a picture on Instagram or I post a tweet or I post something on Facebook and we get very addicted very quickly to that really quick um, hit of um, achievement or success or gratification of getting a retweet or a like Add in your personal life in terms of like Facebook or, or Twitter or Instagram or anything like that. Have you ever encountered a scenario where you've looked and thought to yourself, I've got to get this on here. I've got to be as good as anybody else that has their their fantastic days with their kids or their fantastic meals that they're having or their holidays. And I've got to get loads of retweets in to stay relevant or to stay um, to stay in vogue with my friends. And I don't want to appear boring and I don't want to appear like I'm like a hermit or anything like that at all. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, one of the probably one of the main reasons to come off Facebook because. I'm just getting annoyed by people just constantly posting the, the, the thought, a thought will pop into the head and straight away they'll put it onto Facebook straight away mm-hmm. for for likes or, I mean, obviously Facebook doesn't have retweets, but, you know, likes, comments. And then I've started seeing that again now on Twitter. So the reason why I was getting annoyed on Facebook, I started seeing that on, on Twitter as well. And, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll go through quite a, a long stretch really with not not tweeting anything mm-hmm. but then sometimes you feel as if you need that you have to tweet you know 
um, one thing I've mentioned to us before, you know, sometimes you feel you have to put a photo out there or have you ever really done it at all? Because that seems, mm. to, be, that seems to be the way, isn't it? You have to tweet a photo out to the masses to show that you've done something because otherwise people might not even believe that you've done it. It doesn't, exi- it doesn't exist if it's not on Insta kind of thing. Exa- exactly. And I think people people seem to post stuff online because they want that uh, that endorphin of like the likes and, mm. and, the, and the retweets. They want... They want to do stuff that will get them all the likes and retweets. I mean, the three of us now, we 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 know countless people on, on Twitter. We, you, you look at stuff, they'll post something really mundane or obvious and like they'll just clock up uh, likes and retweets. And I look at it and sometimes I think, is that is that what people are trying to achieve like these days? Is that what we're doing? We're just trying to get likes and retweets. But it, like I say, for some people, it is that endorphin. It gives them that good feeling. You know, maybe two mm-hmm. days after they post it, they're still getting likes about it. It's making them feel good. I, um, yeah. And, and uh, yeah, it, that, for me, sometimes that one of the reasons what, another reason what, what sort of gets onto my mental health is if I've posted something on Facebook back in the day or let's say I tweet something and someone I know has put something similar and then that person, you know, has got like 10 more likes than me or 10 more comments than me. I think, well, why, why, why am I getting less likes or less comments or less retweets or whatever than that mm-hmm. person? We, we, put exact, we put exactly the same thing. Why is, what's it about me? And like, you sit and look at your, t- well, I would, I would like, look at that tweet or look at that Facebook post and suddenly just my brain goes into overdrive. And that's when like my sort of bad mental health kicks in. I'm thinking, well, what is it? What is it that I've said or not said? Do people not like me? Do people value someone else's opinion more than mm. me is my opinion not worth anything and that spirals and, and kicks off kicks off yeah. then um so that's that's a bad trait that you know something that i have when it, you know when it comes to, to social media and that probably probably one of the reasons why i come off facebook because i wanted to get away from myself from that i felt i recognize that as a bad trait but you know sometimes that, that does creep in again with with twitter um it's not a good trait to have though i'm you know i have, have to say yeah um so i'm not gonna sit here and say that, you know I've, I've recognized it and it's gone away i've recognized it it's still there but you have to something that you know really i'm, I'm working on at, at the moment but to, to the wrong you know to, to the wrong people with like that wrong trait of mental health you know that that craving of likes and, and retweets can be quite a dangerous thing i think that we have a tendency to um treat likes retweets shares as a currency uh, or as a currency of success yeah so are you successful because you have a lot of interaction on social media okay so if that's your if that's your thinking then by not having that in by not having that success are you then a failure which i think is one of the difficulties um that some people have on the platform there's there's a huge amount of um, pressure on on women especially around body image when it comes to social media you know you follow all these amazing accounts of like of people that are, that are gorgeous and they wake up and they look incredible and and I follow like it's even friends of mine that are like re- you know that are, that are in the peak of physical fitness and then I look down at myself as I've finished that second bag of pickled onion once too much and I just think to myself like <laughs> I can't compete with like the image that people have on the internet and that's fine, but it doesn't feel fine at the time. It make it, it feels downhearted and, and it makes me feel sometimes that, well, what's the point of, of trying to achieve anything? Because it's never going to be as good as the rest of the, the, what the rest of the world has. 
um, and what the rest of the world can do. And, and I and I'll never and I'll never achieve what these people are achieving. And I think that's the danger with like body image and, and success and and that on the internet is that we need to realize that you know that one photo of somebody looking incredible isn't the be all and end all of uh, of life and i think we have to identify when it's time to take a break from from that rich what what are your thoughts on that the pressures of like body image and success and how that can have an impact on your mental health when you're seeing people that like you look up to and and role models or even friends of yours Je you know jealousy can kick in and, and, and all and like these negative things in your life how how does that impact you yeah so i think um i was scribbling some sort of notes on my phone while you spoke because i think it was very enlightening and i think a big phrase that stands out for me is perception is reality mm -hmm. um and i'd sort of learned it kind of in sales and i think it very much applies in the world of social media that you know if people believe you are good at your job or your you know or the company is successful you will it will be a success so looping back to the likes first and foremost i guess from that is you know the more likes you get the more popular you are mm -hmm. but those people who are liking it you know if you get so linkedin let's say on, on a success point of view if you know, you're averaging, let's say, 50 likes, but 30 of them are the same people who liked your last post to the post before. Mm -hmm. And they're essentially, they're, they're almost liking the person, not the post. Mm. Um, is, is the easiest way I can describe it. Not that if you don't get likes, you're not likable, but, you know, there's, there's a generation, um, for want of a better term, of users who, if they see somebody they know posting, they will like it regardless of the content. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, you, you can see it as clear as day. And, you know, it's there's something quite uh, rewarding for it. Um, but it, it it's really difficult. And I think in terms of sort of things like body image and success, it's very easy to kind of see a photo and go, oh, crikey. You know, well, well, they're the same age as me. They're doing that with their life. Um and you sometimes just have to take stock of it and go, well, what do I have? And I go, got, you know, wife, kid, house, job. And, you know, people do, people seem to be very savvy at manipulating things to make it seem better than it is sometimes, mm -hmm. I guess. And not even better, but it appears as though that perception kind of creeps back and, you know, that, that, that does kind of stem a bit from a like culture. Um, you know, it, it's a really weird, not a weird one, I guess, but um, my wife has set up a private Instagram account for photos of our daughter. So it probably run, it's got 14 followers, which I could name you because they're our family yeah. and a few of our close friends. It's literally just a photo, a digital photo album is how uh, we look at it. So when my wife posts a photo, her best friend will like it through a personal account, then switch to her brownie making business to like it on there. Mm -hmm. And I kind of went, okay, but why? Why? <laughs> <laughs> because yeah. no, genuinely, it's, you know, that, that account isn't there for 
you know, gratification or anything like that. Yeah, it's not there for gratification. You know, don't get me wrong. It's a nice, warm, fuzzy feeling, you know, when a family friend says, oh, what a lovely photo. Mm -hmm. But it's not about gaining more followers. It's just about sharing photos of, you know, the Mm -hmm. daughter we love with the family that love her, uh, who don't get to see her all too often at the moment. But she sees it as well. Actually, that's more likes for you. Mm. That's great. And it, 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 it's really odd when I, you know, when you sort of say it out loud and she's not doing it in a, you know, there's no maliciousness to it. And all she's wanting to do is sort of, you know, show as much sort of like and affection as she can. But it, it, it's a weird stepping stone, I guess. I understand where you're coming from. I mean, uh, it's going back to the point and, and how it affects mental health around use, using that as I think it's a very thin line between just having a bit of fun on social media and then actually using the validation of people agreeing with your opinion as like, like, like I mentioned it before, a currency and, and actually making you feel good. Like there's nothing wrong with, 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 with social media and having interactions with people. And, and it feels great when you're, when people are liking what you're saying and it gives you that think of, someone values my opinion but i think the danger is when we rely on it too much where we rely on that as actually the only people really who i should care about my opinion are the people i respect and my family and my friends and the people that are close to me and people that i want to impress or anything like that Ad, i'll give you the final word on this before we kind of move on to identifying when we kind of need to take a break and then we're going to go and, and have a listen to the interview with david walden when when do you know your time on social media you need a break when it's getting to the point where it's having a negative effect now on your mental health so give us an idea of when you've had a feeling of either anxiety or or or, or you're just fed up with it and help me identify for my own personal view for the people listening like a like a trigger almost of when of when like enough's enough with social media for you um, I think it's kind of when I start getting ratty and mm. a bit short. Um, you know, I've I just when I get in that when I'm in that mood when I just want to keep looking for my phone or um, I'm blocking out everything else and I'm just fixated on keep refreshing the feed or what have you. I find when anyone else comes along and tries to talk to me or wants me to do something, I can get really short. Um, and get irritated very, very easily. Yeah, and that's when that's when I know. I think right now I've, I've got to put this phone down for for a bit now. I've got to spend time doing something else, doing something actually productive, rather than just taking the easy option all the time, just to sit and look at the phone. Um, and like I said before, whether that means muting uh, chats and or just it's just putting it down just mm. literally putting it down putting it away or just pretending they've got to put it on charge and leave it in the corner of the room because i know that when i get that that irritable feeling i've i've been on it you know much longer much easier much much longer than than i have or than i need to be really and it's not an easy thing you know it's 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 not it's it's not something that's quite easy to recognise straight away if you're not if you haven't recognised it already. And even mm-hmm. when you do recognise it, it's, it's because it's so easy for the for, for for us as humans to do to just sit there and scroll through your phone. It's it's a hard habit to to kind of kick, really, because I think sometimes a lot of us we like to take that easy option. And if you yeah. know if there's if there's something that we want to do, 
like a hobby or something that will challenge us or something that will require a bit of effort. Uh, so like so it's exercise, going to the gym in normal times or something like that. You know, some, by and large, I, I think we would tend to take the easy option, just sit there and just look at a phone for a bit and get get into that quagmire of, of social media and all that comes with it. But for me, yeah, definitely those triggers of being irritable mm. and being short with, with, with family and friends. Um, and then just not, just not having the motivation to do anything else. That's when yeah. I know, I think, okay, I've got to put it down now. Yeah. Say, um, before we move on, just a really kind of quick question, I guess, to you. Um, do you use app limits? Cause I don't just, it sounds stupid, but just in case. Like I don't know whether that's something I know that, that would be good for some people. I, you know, it sounds stupid, but occasionally I'm up in the middle of the night with a little one and, you know, I, I, I find out loads about America at three in the morning because that, that's that, you know, that I, I followed most of the U S election because it was all happening in the middle of the night. Um, but I think, well, hang on, if I was logged out for, because I'd, I'd, I'd had my usage and it, I don't know. I, I'm just curious because like I say, I, I don't and I can kind of justify it through, well, I've got the Fancast account or I've got work mm. accounts. So well, I probably shouldn't. I think it's, it's just interesting to see if you guys did. It's a, it's a strange one because then I think, I, I think I'd have, I'd have as, I'd have more anxiety around the, like the fear of what I'm missing in that time yeah. because I'd be like, Oh, well I can't get on now. Oh, somebody might be, uh, somebody might be trying to get into or doing this and that. It's ridiculous because like, no, it's, 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 it's just mad really. I think when it comes to my main kind of source of like knowing when I've, when I've had enough and I need to take a break is when I'm, I'm physically getting my adrenaline, adrenaline up. Adrenaline up, easy for me to say. On the back of an argument I'm having with somebody online about something as mundane as pro wrestling or, or, or football. And I, then I'll take stock and I'll just realise of what a twat I sound like when I'm I'm there, like, ignoring what's on the team or, or doing something nice with the, with the wife or something or, or like spending time and, and I'm glued to having an argument with a somebody on Twitter that doesn't have a profile name, doesn't have a picture, probably just taking the piss out of me and having a laugh with their friends. And I just realised that I'm, I'm an absolute mug here for, for, for buying along into this. There's absolutely no requirement for it. Um, which takes me on nicely, really, to to moving on to David Wilding's interview where he is um, part of Twitter UK and he's kind of responsible for giving um, others information about kind of Twitter and its use and... He has a really, really great interview we're going to listen to now and give us some ideas and tools that we can use to help manage our mental health as well as some accounts that we can follow. So we'll have a listen to that now and then we'll finish up the episode. Hi, guys. I'm joined by David Wilding, Wolves fan and planner for Twitter UK. Hi, David. How are we doing this evening? Yeah, I'm all right. Thank you. We just had the FA Cup draw. Um, yes, so we did. Very excited about that, I think. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, potential banana skin against uh, Chorley, but you'd Ooh. like to think we'd get through, even the most pessimistic of Wolves fans would have some <laughs> chances against a non-league team, you'd think. Well, except to make mine, I did just text him and said, it's possible we could lose to Albion and Chorley in consecutive weekends. Um, he's like, <laughs> he goes, but we won't, don't worry. If there, was, if there was ever a time for a mental health podcast, it would have, <laughs> if, if, we, if we lost to both oh. of them. Uh, absolutely. Um, so, 
we've got you on because obviously you're part of um, part of Twitter and part of that social media platform. Just for a bit of context, what is it that you do within the platform, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, of course. My, my job title is um, director of planning. So basically, before I joined Twitter, I was a media planner um, in media agencies. So planning advertising campaigns for lots of different brands. And I did that for about 15 years and I joined Twitter um, six years ago now. Um, and the role is really just to help people to understand Twitter and get the most out of it. So it's mostly brands and advertisers, you know, like how, how do I use this platform and, and you know, how do I use it compared to other social media platforms? Because we're all sort of grouped in together. Mm -hmm. Some sort of subtle differences, making sure they understand those. But as part of the job, I kind of uh, get to do any other business is how I yeah. describe it. So talking to Twitter, about, sorry, about Twitter to anybody who's interested really, so organisations, uh, you know, uh, charities, people, mm -hmm. you can kind of just help them to, to understand what Twitter is. It's not that complicated, but also how to get the best out of it, because uh, I think it's true that Twitter is one of those things where if you follow the right people and have the right experience, it's brilliant. Uh, but it's actually helping people to get there, because a lot of people don't necessarily yeah. want to get there. Um, as quickly as, as they could so it's, it's, it's a bit of that as well so it's a lovely varied job really yeah it sounds it how has lockdown had an influence on that and people are using social media that that much more because there's less to do in other activities has that meant that your job has has, has doubled tripled in workload because everybody wants to know more uh, yes and no. I mean, it's it's got certainly um, much more varied. I think, you mm -hmm. know, like everybody, we went down into lockdown. It absolutely changed how we worked. And we've been here, stuck in our in our homes since late February. We were very, very early to lockdown. Yeah. We went to uh, Barcelona for the Espanol second leg. <laughs> um, and then I went back into the office on the Monday after. And they were like, oh, we're all going home. And I was oh, like, okay. we're all going home. So we were quite early. Um, but in terms of the actual role, yeah, it's, it's much the same. So usage of Twitter is up. Um, quite a lot obviously in lockdown people sort of looking to sort of connect with people and find out what's going mm -hmm. on whenever there's a lot going on in the world yeah people sort of turn to twitter anyway um but at the same time you've got to do stuff that obviously you would normally do in a meeting over the over over you know stuff like zoom like this but yeah. that's kind of took a bit of getting used to but it's kind of fine really and um, we're fortunate in that twitter as a product can sort of you know keep going whereas a lot of things were actually affected quite a lot by the fact mm -hmm. you just access them obviously people can access social media now and of course yeah they are so yeah it's, it's kind of varied but compared to some other stuff it's mostly business as usual really okay excellent well what i want to get onto the mental health side of things um as as the person we're here but just to get a tenuous wolves link at best as a sister wolves fan cast just uh what are your thoughts on on the albion game at the weekend do you think is your natural um, tendency, as we all are as Wolves fans, to fear the worst, even though all yes. the signs point to we should be winning? Yeah, I'll be honest with you, Matt. I hate playing the Albion. Always have. Um, I see very little upside and plenty of downside. <laughs> My least favourite match of the season, um, home and away. I'm not um, from Wolverhampton in the area, so as such, I don't know a lot of baggies and stuff on the personal mm. I know a few of them actually through, mostly through Twitter. And they seem all right individually, but collectively. Uh, but no, I, I kind of I like to get the game out of the way because I think it comes, if I'm honest, with quite a lot of sort of toxicity and, and negativity. Um, and, you know, much as I've just said, well, we could lose to Shorty and Albion in consecutive weekends, I do try and stay sort of positive when it comes to, you know, the Wolves. I think the, the role they play in my life has always just been a wonderful and all consuming distraction. Mm -hmm. uh, mm. So yeah, you've got to kind of try and keep it at that level, and I've not always found it that easy because there's nothing worse than 
you know, the wolves not turning up and getting turned. Oh, no, no, absolutely. But that happens, which is why I'm naturally pessimistic. Uh, but, but yeah, yeah if, if the worst happens at the weekend, you know, it's not the end of the world. I'll try and keep that in mind, but it will feel like it's let me yeah. I know what you mean. I do feel with football and me, it really does um, link in with like the extreme ends of my emotions. Like when, when, when we're doing well, it feels like it's the top end of my happiness. But when we do badly, it really feels like it's the worst end of my moods. Yeah. And I think that's what football does to you, isn't it? Yeah, I think particularly in lockdown, I don't know if you found this, but, you know, it's weird because it is so obviously there's stuff going on in the world that's so mm-hmm. big and so heavy. So it shouldn't matter that, you know, Matt Doherty's putting his hand up in the area in the last minute of Burnley. But God, it felt like it mattered. Yeah. It? No, it does, because it's it's... While everything's going on, it is one of the few constants that we've had. Um, An enjoyment that we get that is unrivaled, especially with like the passion that you put into it. Like you put so much emotion into football, I find that anybody that looks out from the outside world that looks in must think you're you're maniacal, but it just has that way of grabbing you. and, and, And because it's a constant that you can still enjoy despite the whole world seemingly going in a panic. I think that's what it means a lot more. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so as I say, we're, we're here to discuss mental health. One question I've asked all of our guests so far, because it is varied for everybody. Yeah. When I say mental health, what does that physically mean to you? When you, what, what comes to mind when we talk about mental health? I think for me, it's about making sure you're checking in on yourself and put more and more on your mates on a kind of day-to-day basis and asking people how they are. And being honest about it and, mm-hmm. and working at a company like Twitter where we as a company have that conversation quite a lot in terms of our own you know, people's mental health and we have some fairly honest sort of conversations but also seeing how people use Twitter to be really very honest I think with the world about how they're thinking right now and certainly I mean I'm of an age now I'm in my you know, 40s where you know when I started out in the industry 20 years ago mental health just wasn't talked about you know yeah. thing it was seen as you know, if you if you talk about mental health, it's in the context of a problem. Mm-hmm. You know, he's gone mad, he's lost the plot, that, yeah, that kind of stuff. And it's very yeah, much yeah. taboo. Um, and we talk a lot about how you know, social media um, has really helped to sort of loosen, break down that that taboo uh, when it comes to sort of mental health. So I, I kind of see it as a, an everyday thing. Mm-hmm. Um, something where I was, I'll know instinctively how have I sort of had had a good day today and have I sort of felt good about what I'm doing and I'll sort of monitor it so if I'm sort of going three or four days in a row where I'm feeling you know quite flat or whatever I will say something in my mm-hmm. case you know usually to my, to my wife who um you know obviously I live with and who's you know pretty good at <laughs> listening and stuff yeah, yeah um but whether that might be to her or to, to somebody else so I see it as almost managing uh how you're feeling and I've been fortunate and I've never got to a stage where it's been a big problem for me in mm-hmm. my life but you know I in normal times I commute to uh, London from my house and I live down on the south coast so it's best part of two hours into the office and best part right. of two hours out the office and doing that is really tough on you mentally yeah I can and imagine yeah. with that it's by actually just not really thinking about it um so I, I find if I if I think about what am I doing I was wasting so much of my day and of my life. I would get quite down about it, but mm-hmm. because I can't control that. If I wanted to stay in my job, I choose not to think about it. And I mm-hmm. think that works for me to sort of keep yeah. my mind in thinking about other stuff. But every now and then, I will have to sort of check in and just sort of 
not quite screaming to the abyss, but just saying, <laughs> God, what am I doing? And she'll, yeah, have a conversation about it and, and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree with you completely. For me, and I've, I've said this on this podcast before, mental health is very much a spectrum as opposed to an on and off switch. Like you can, one day you can be riding high, the next minute you can be low and, and no day is always the same. And I think what's very important is being able to identify what about your life and your day to day and knowing yourself well enough to identify when things aren't as as good as they could be um and i think we all could work on on identifying ourselves a little better i think yeah i think so but then i i mean i personally follow a lot of people on twitter who, who tweet about their mental health um and i find that really useful um even if i'm not necessarily replying to them just to kind of hear people talking about that um they might not even know you know they're, mm-hmm. they're about how they're feeling they're not necessarily getting a you know a like or a reply from everybody who's seeing it but i bet it is helping out a lot of people to kind of normalize the fact that people are you know are out there putting it out there and i think we used to kind of say well it's very brave to talk about that kind of thing and to an extent i think it probably still is but god you know people don't generally get any sort of uh, negative response to that anymore whereas mm-hmm. you might have done, you know, there's an enormous amount of support out there for people who, who are I guess up for talking about it doesn't mean everybody has to. No, but yeah. So many examples of people uh, who've literally just sort of put it out there and kind of I'm just not feeling great today. But there was one, there's one back in October where there's a fella um, called uh, Edmund O'Leary, a uh, lovely Irish guy, and he just tweeted it about just I think it was about midnight one night. He said he just tweeted out, "I'm not okay. Um, if you see this, can you say hello?" And he had a hundred and two thousand. Really, where? Yeah. Um, and actually, I spoke to him um, a few weeks later. We had him at um, our virtual sort of internal company meeting and got him to sort of tell his story. And um, it was really inspiring, you know. And, and it wasn't a, a big thing, just sort of putting it out there. But he said mm-hmm. the, the response he's had uh, to that has been fantastic. And you kind of see that quite a lot, you know, um, on, on Twitter. I think especially now, because, you know, God, just the last few months have been bloody hard, haven't they? Yeah, they really, really have. I think one thing that's unique about social media and Twitter in particular when it comes to um, seeking support for mental health is that actually it is an almost, I wouldn't say anonymous tool for it, but it's much easier to reach out to somebody that you don't know on the internet for support and to feel like there won't be that backlash like you said from like your peers or family or something like that and actually being able to reach out on the internet for support can be easier for people than going to their manager at work or going to their friends and family and that's like that's got to be unique to this generation that people haven't had that support in the past yeah absolutely it's as easy as you know getting your phone out and just sort of typing your thoughts and often yeah there can be a a downsize that clearly Mm -hmm sort of well documented but a huge amount of positive as well and actually we did a bit of research in terms of why do people use twitter when it comes to talking about their mental health and basically the answer is because it's more human um it's more direct and it's more responsive and, and twitter seen as more human responsive and direct than other sort of social media platforms i think there's a real mm-hmm. i mentioned as a kind of a, a rawness to twitter yeah of course some people are sort of projecting but not many I think people are likely to go the opposite way on Twitter and talk about exactly how crap their their life is, you know, for laughs and for lols. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's that's I think that's why people do it. And actually, the main reason why people say they come to Twitter is for emotional support. So you know, for, when it comes to mental health, it's for emotional support, both yeah you know, to to receive it, but also to give it. 
Um, and then there's more practical things like, you know, campaigning for better mental health provision mm-hmm. and information about what services are available and what have you, which again, the internet, social media has just been brilliant at. You wouldn't have known, you know, when I was a kid growing up, there was one place around the corner that was called, I forget what it was called, but it was like a, a building you had to go into. Yeah. It was really, well, I wouldn't ever go in there. Whereas now you, know, you get your phone out and access it, access the information. So yeah, lots and lots of positive. Yeah, um, I mean that's one of the things I really want to want to dig deep with with yourself. And this is, you know, it's amazing that we've we've got you on to discuss this and actually getting somebody, a man on the inside, so to speak. And um, so, in terms of like tools that Twitter has available, uh, and any tips personally, really, that you have for people that are struggling with their mental health or want to get it, want to research or find any organisations that are very active on Twitter. What what we, where would you signpost them? Gosh, lots of different options. So there's lots of people, I think, who tweet very well about um, mental health and their own experience. So people like uh, Matt Haig, um, Aaron Gillies, who's on Twitter under the name of uh, Technically Ron. Uh, there's one called um, Paul Nabell, who's uh, very, very good on Twitter. Um, so various people kind of like that. But there's, a, there's an actual um, topic on Twitter around mental health. You can sort of follow that, that too. Um, so I think all of those things. Uh, there's a very good charity called Calm. I'm sure a lot of your listeners mm-hmm. would calm zone uh, they're very good on twitter got lots of good um, mental health ambassadors um a fellow called johnny sharples is a very sort of um good guy very funny guy he lost his um, brother uh, suicide but he's he's um brilliant both talking about mental health but also talking about football and other yep. stuff in his life and i think that's true of what most people are, are doing and most mental health advocates that i mentioned are living their lives and they're tweeting about mental health at the same time as part of their lives and i think that's kind of how how that how that works really um but more broadly i think there are loads and loads of kind of and this is you know in, to the extent of if you have a, a a problem you know do this by any means this is more just mm-hmm. useful tools for all of us to help us have a better experience really which obviously in turn leads to better mental health so there are tools like uh mute on twitter which is mm-hmm. a really good tool uh, so you can mute people much like you can mute people on any other platform but you can also mute words so if there's certain words that you just know are annoying for you or triggering, uh, you can just mute them. So I've got, um, I think, MSM muted whenever people refer to you know, media scum. I think I've got yeah, it yeah, yeah. well, because I just I don't have time for that conversation. That's not something I agree with. So I mute that and don't ever see it. So that's yeah. helpful. Um, you can also mute um, individual people. You can sort of block um, as well. As I know somebody who's, who's a huge advocate of what he calls um, a, a BAMO, which he says stands for block and move on. Okay. So uh, <laughs> block them and move on. So rather than sort of getting involved in that sort of mm-hmm. two and fro. And I think there's a general sense, I mentioned to you earlier, once you follow the right people on Twitter, that's when you sort of unlock that that experience. So I'd say um, it's like a metaphor about on Twitter, there are two types of people. There, there are radiators and there are drains. Uh, and just sort of mute the drains and, and follow the radiators <laughs> would be the best advice. No, that's fantastic, yeah. Wonderful silly stuff. So, you know, for example, um, did you see the uh, World Cup of ageing 80s footballers? So there's a fella on Twitter who basically had got his old Panini football sticker book yeah. and a load of them from the 80s looked really prematurely old. So you've got this 25-year-old bloke who looks... Oh, wow. Um, and he's, he set up his Twitter account called 80s Ageing and it's just really every day a new sticker of somebody that's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, just, it's one of those silly one joke Twitter accounts. But he did a thing um, back in November with the World Cup of, so you had like this knockout, you voted for it on Twitter. Mm-hmm. 
And God, it, it was just mostly men of a certain age in the replies going, this is exactly why I love Twitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stupid, it's silly, it's distracting, um, and it's kind of wonderful. So, so I'd seek out those kind of people as part of your your um your yeah your balanced diet of Twitter. <laughs> I, um, you'd be surprised, as I say, if you open up and talk about how you're feeling, the, the response you get. I follow um you know I follow people on Twitter, a lot of Wolves fans, and I've seen you know several Wolves fans talking about their mental health. Um, and and you know I've even sent a couple of them sort of DMs and said, look, we don't know each other, we happen to suffer the same football team. Yeah. Uh, you know, and and people again respond particularly well to that. Um, and then I think um, things like don't necessarily look at replies to certain tweets. Mm-hmm. They wind you up. So, you know, you, there are certain, not many, but I think there's just a few people who sort of say stuff that you just don't need in your life. And, you know, the football team uh, tweets, often the replies to that very rarely add value to you, uh, you know, yeah. your, your life. So don't look at those. Um, and I think occasionally just switch it off, um, which is something I find quite hard to do. At least I can justify it by saying well I have to check in because I work here um, <laughs> but yeah it's I, I say I love Twitter and I spend so much time on it but there are times where you just want to uh, you know turn it off and go for a walk and do something else so I think yeah a bit of that as well so hopefully some of that is quite useful it's not rocket science any of it you know it's just if you're not having a good time don't follow that person don't get involved in that conversation and go off and, um, and do something else instead yeah I, th- I think for me personally that's that's half the battle um, is, is, is letting go of something that I know is toxic. Now yeah. I follow, I follow a lot of walls related activity. We also follow a lot of pro wrestling activity. And um, those are two hobbies that have very passionate people that like what they like, don't like what they don't like. And, um, and the two shall not meet. <laughs> um, yeah, and I, I, and I think it's gone. Yeah. 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 Have to match and yeah your mates might have a certain perspective that you sort of laugh and then yeah talk about something else um but on twitter you can go to every table in the pub and listen to what they're saying if you mm-hmm. want and it's great that all these communities can sort of come together and share these passions and whatever but i think the people the one or two people who are you know a bit negative get can get undue attention because mm-hmm. people will quote tweeting them saying look what this person said or of course whatever so we, as Twitter, are thinking about, well, how do we um, you know, show that kind of stuff? How do we incentivize people on Twitter more broadly? Because uh, at the moment, it just it tends to work that the more controversial stuff can sort of bubble up to the, to the top. And I'm not sure that always makes people feel great. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas me sending a tweet saying, I thought Den Donker had a good, solid game today, 7 out of 10. I mean, A, it happens every week. And <laughs> it's not going to get a lot of controversy. Yeah. So, so we need to, we, we, we need to, and we are sort of thinking about that, about that as well. But on a personal level, as I say, it's about, as you said yourself, recognising that passions can run high and taking time out from it when you need to, um, particularly after, yeah, if wolves get beaten <laughs> this is always uh and always an emotive subject at the best of times well wow. david listen i really really appreciate you coming on it, it's excellent to have somebody um from within an actual platform that gets i would say a good 70 percent of my social media time i find it fascinating to talk about and i could bend you about it all night i really could but <laughs> listen thank you on behalf of um the fancast for coming on um right. and hope you enjoy the game
So thanks to uh, David for his uh, interview there. Another um, fan cast favourite, and he's appeared on on uh, several podcasts that we follow. And he's a, he's a really good um, really good Twitter account himself, just in terms of um, awareness of what the pros are of Twitter. I think what I want to finish up on is actually let's look at the pros of what we what we can use social media for and have an impact on them as a whole in a positive way. So I've seen very, very um, recently accounts where people have actually just looked for support. And I mentioned this on the interview with David is that actually it can be easier sometimes to reach out for support when you're in a, in a, in a not fantastic place because you don't want that stigma of, a, of your friends and family knowing and actually speaking to a stranger can be better for you or more cathartic, I guess. Um, what do you think about that, Adam? I mean, have you ever reached out to the en masse, to the general public? And has that ever, you know, is there, a, is there a pro there? Or is that something that you don't feel like you'd have the, the confidence or, or, or you'd be worried about the backlash of what other people might think? Yeah, that's not something that I've ever done, probably for that reason, to yeah. be honest, but backlash of what people would think, you know, that there were absolutely accounts out there which you can go to for help with mental health issues um all the obvious ones which you know we we can maybe put a tag in on 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 the the tweet post for this but um it's not something that 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 i've ever done but it's i appreciate that that is one of the good sides of social Mm -hmm. media and the fact that it's very easy to reach out to, to these sort of places um to drop them a quick I don't know, quick message, possibly like even a DM into them to say that you're struggling with X, Y, and Z. Um, and what, what, you know, what help can you offer for me essentially? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's good to be honest, it's a, it's a good thing to say because it's good to have that balance really that, you know, we have talked about the negative impacts of, of social media, but obviously there is a good side to it, you know, and, and, we don't know yet whether the good outweighs the bad size, but obviously there is a lot of good on, on social media and it obviously can mobilise a lot of movements mm-hmm. uh, for charity giving, et cetera, et cetera. There's, there's many useful functions it has other than the, the basic premise of connecting people. Um, but it is good to know for people who have issues or difficulties that there are plenty of, of accounts out there which people can can reach out to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's a case of, I think, being able to avoid the negativity. If you can get a grasp on that, avoid the negativity of social media. There are some huge benefits, especially in lockdown now, especially where people feel more isolated than they ever had and they can't fulfill some of the things that would give them joy in their lives normally, whether that be going out, seeing friends, having a beer at the weekend, going to the wolves, anything like that. Social media can be a good substitute for certain things. I just think it's really important that we take stock of when we're not having a great time on social media and then that's having an impact on our day-to-day lives because it should be there as an entertainment tool or a communication tool, not as, as something that's affecting your mental health you know we've spoke about fear of missing out we spoke about body image we spoke about conflicts and negativity and we've touched on trolling and, and things like that so those are obviously some of the cons of, of social media but rich give me a happy slant on it 
talk me talk me around what are the, some of the things that you actually get a joy out of social media and how does it positively impact your mental health so i'm very selective in terms of who i follow mm-hmm. um for, for starters you know it sounds stupid but uh, you know follow follow accounts that are going to bring you joy you know have a bit of happiness about it and i think um well i think it sticks out for me is community and mm-hmm. having that sort of sense of togetherness whether it's wolves fans let's say uh because you know it can be an odd breed sometimes and we don't always no one agrees with anyone but actually you have got a sense of belonging there and whether it's on my own account and it, people have not even really met in person maybe a couple of times not or just online or you know little ones that come from a fan cast especially from these mental health shows which is why you know i'm fully on board with us doing as many of these as we can do it's when we get sort of direct messages messages thanking us for doing it for you know genuinely being there and for me it takes a lot to put yourself out there online even if it's a direct message now i'm I was trying to think back in terms of not cries for help, let's say, but, you know, posts sort of saying you're not doing okay. And for I I can't see myself writing, writing a, a tweet saying I'm not okay. Mm-hmm. Um, or even a direct message personally, but I did do a blog at the start of this year um, after going to sort of see the doctor about my mental health. And, it was really nice getting messages back saying, you know, it was really interesting to read. I, I've had sort of similar feelings, stuff like that. Um, I think it's really helped sort of put things into context for me. People who are, I say, I, I know very well and mm. people who I don't know very well. And that kind of made me feel genuinely positive about A, doing it um, in, in a format that felt comfortable for me in a time that felt right for me. Um, but to then know I kind of made a positive impact from that and, you know, to, to have a mate kind of message me out, you know, said, didn't know that's kind of what you were going through, you know, where I am. And I said the usual, uh, the, the usual, the usual lines that, you know, any mate will say to you. And he messaged me about two days later and says, really sorry, but I've kind of been a bit inspired by your post. Mm. Um, do you mind if I do one of my own on Facebook and, and sort of mention you? And like part of me, for a second, I was like, well, I don't know. And then I thought, actually, no, because I'm being sort of seen as someone who is, you know, like see someone leading from the front. And, you know, genuinely to see him say that as well kind of mm. filled me with a lot. Um, so I, I, a thousand percent there's, you know, there's positive things out there. And you know what? It's It sounds stupid. But if you don't agree with someone or if you don't like what they're saying, there's a huge button that allows you not to interact with them and just follow them. (laughs) You know, and I'd like to think there's no real shame in it. Um, You know, some people might take offense offense of it, but, you know, I say I'm fairly selective um, by and large. You know, I I follow, follow friends, follow people of interest for me. You know, if it's people who don't, no, I find it a hell of a lot easier to follow them. It's particularly like journalists and people like that who or people have seen doing blog one time. Oh, they might be an interesting following. Then realize, oh, actually, I don't quite. I've just realized it sounds stupid. I've realized they're a Man United fan. 
<laughs> I go, well, I don't, I don't need that. Yeah. Um, that thing, that's, you know, if you can realize you don't need it, follow the people who will give you that positivity, then go for it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, there's the support out there. We'll put it on the tweets as well. So people can directly, directly link onto it, but you know, youngminds.org.uk is one that's, that, that helps with, you know, we haven't even talked about like the impact on social media on like the younger generation than ourselves. And there's a lot more pressure on people to stay like relevant and up to date and, and things like that. And we haven't even really like, scratched the surface on that. I guess the point of this episode and the point of the series in general is to just get the conversation going with people. And actually, uh, hopefully people can listen to this and, and, and then just take a step back and think, is social media working for me? Am I getting more be- benefit out of it than I am negativity is it having a direct impact on my happiness and my well-being and I guess if you can ask yourself that question and be honest with yourself and you are having benefits fair fucks to you because I'm you know that's exactly what we want if it's not there are loads of things that you can do to help yourself if it's whether it's just take a break mute or block things that give you negativity or just identify that actually this whole the singing the whole singing and dancing world of instagram for example isn't real life and reality filters can do a hell of a lot i'm sure even i could look like a five out of ten if you put the right filter on me so this this you know there's it isn't all like roses singing and dancing in the street um as, as like social media may appear it to be so i guess to sign off on the episode really if we can all take a step back and take stock of what mental health our own mental health is on a regular basis. Social media can have a part to that for good and, and for bad. Right then, guys, we'll wrap up for now. I hope you guys have had fun speaking about it. And I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your experiences about what mental health and social media, um, how they kind of work with each other and, and, and the pros and the cons of social media. Um, we've already done an episode in this series, kind of more of a general overview about mental health and our experiences. And we're going to be doing more in this series um, around kind of a deep dive into anxiety um, and depression and we are going to have a look at um, suicide as a topic as well and and get some you know get some speakers on from charities that can help there so if there's anything as well that you guys want us to talk about and actually would help you having three idiots like ourselves just talking about and and sharing our experiences and and you you know you take some, some some something from that please drop us a message. It's something, you know, this is an open forum for people. We're here to kind of open the conversation. And that's all we really want from this is, get, is getting people talking because you'd be amazed at what that can do just by having that conversation with somebody when you require support. So for now, Richard, if you want to say bye. See you next time, guys. Ad, if you want to say bye. Yeah, so that, guys, and stay safe. And from me, Matt, look after yourself, guys.